Hey, this is Bobby Hill, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andros Jones. I said good day, Sheriff. Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. We're in the studio, dancing to songs we will randomly select here with the help of our friends synchronicity it's the radio to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andros Jones, and we are here at Starburns Industries doing a little bit of musical divination with our musical guest, Alex Lilly. Hello. And we have been using Alex Lilly's music as the oracle fodder for our musical divinations. And... Going down the rabbit hole of Star Trek Discovery with Anthony Rapp, Mary Wiseman, Doug Jones. We just had Lonnie from the Fungi Perfecti group. And now we're going to get a little bit philosophical with Star Trek Discovery. I recently have become a big, big fan of a podcast. I love movie podcasts. And there's a movie podcast called Show Me the Meaning from the folks over at Wisecrack. And I'm very picky about my film podcasts. And usually I find myself screaming at my phone and throwing it down in disgust because of the low level of conversation. But that is not the case with Show Me the Meaning. And I've just become a big fan of that podcast and mostly because of the participation of our next guest. He is a philosopher and a filmmaker and uh, just a really smart guy. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, Austin Hayden. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Professional scatterbrain is how I like to categorize myself. A professional scatterbrain is how you like to categorize yourself. That doesn't make you do not yeah. seem scatterbrained at all. They get to know me a little better. <laughs> well, I, I was just saying to, to our guest, Alex, that I have spent many, many hours. I just like, you know how it is when you find a podcast that you like, you just binge it. And I've been walking around with you talking about movies and philosophy in my ear for like the last month or so. And so I'm so excited. That's why I was so excited that you agreed to be on the show because I feel like you're, you have a really unique take on pop culture. You usually have something insightful to say that maybe hips me to some, some thinking on it that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been aware of otherwise. And if I was aware of it, it's like, yeah, why aren't more people pointing that out? So I asked you to put your put your eyes and mind on Star Trek Discovery, and that's why we have you here. Before we get to your question, I wanted to let you just scatterbrain it out. That sounds perfect for me. So tell us, what was your what you watched the the first season this this last week? You've watched some of it, but you watched all of it this week. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't really grow up a big Star Trek fan. 
right? Like I grew up, I was more of an athlete, so I kind of thought it was geeky, nerdy stuff, and it is. But I, but but I used to think that was a bad thing, and now as I've started to study more and indulge, let's say, the academic pursuits more, I'm starting to kind of like go back now in time and revisit some of those things that I had previously dismissed. And so Star Trek is one of those properties. And just science fiction literature in general is, is one of those genres that I'm trying to revisit and reintroduce myself to. So I was really kind of uh, delighted to explore a fresh take of Star Trek that was very different from what I had previously experienced with Star Trek. Because I think the thing that stuck, that stuck in my mind more than anything is how timely this episode is. And... It's almost as though this was a show written in the wake of the election of Donald Trump and the emergence of, like, neo-fascism and white nationalism and the alt-right or whatever terminology you want to describe this sort of reactionary movement that seems to be emerging around the globe. And this show seems to be a, an artistic commentary and critical engagement with that phenomenon. And that was the thing that struck me just across the board with its engagement with identity politics with the idea of like mysticism, obviously we'll probably get into the idea of mycology and, and the powers of fungi, let's say. Um, uh, there's some interesting politics going on there, and I think it really kind of encapsulated into a very interesting science fiction narrative. When you draw that connection, were there, what were some of the touchstones that made you think, oh, well, this is definitely of our time, struggling with put, doing what sci-fi does, which is sort of casting the issues of our time in a different setting so that maybe we can experience them in a in a way that we're not so attached to. Yeah, I think, so I've got this really weird idea that I think might work. Uh, so bear with me for a second as I try to figure out how to develop it in as short amount of time as possible. Uh, so you know how there's the two universes that sort of overlap and they interact and uh, in, in the, the, the show Discovery, right? You have like the prime universe, let's say, which is the universe that we start with, and then there's the other universe, I guess let's call it. The mirror universe, let's call it. Um, so the prime universe and the mirror universe. And in the prime universe, you've got Starfleet, and they are on their voyage of discovery, and they've got their committed principles of, of discovery and kind of like non-interference. They have these rules with how they're going to engage with other species when they encounter them. They don't want to be hostile at first. And and then, of course, you have the rule or, or the place of the Klingon in the Prime Universe where they are kind of – they're kind of fascist. They're kind of trying to figure out their own identity. They're, they're fighting over unity and whether or not their species is going to be united as one or are all of these different houses going to be vying for attention. And what is the thing that unites them? It's their race. We are Klingon, right? And so there's like this, this race-first kind of ethnocentrism even, that's going on there, which I found to be kind of fascinating. And then you have the mirror universe, and in the mirror universe, the humans uh, are kind of like their own pure race, right? They're kind of like Nazis, in a way, and they are this Terran empire. They're this fascist regime that, you know, they literally eat. Uh, what was what was Saru, whatever his species is? I can't remember what his species is, but they eat the, the, those people, and you know, everybody else is kind of like viewed as rebellious others, right? They're like this pure regime, um, and I think they're kind of like the Nazis. But then in that mirror universe, you've got the Klingons, and you've got the Vulcan, who are all kind of in this. They've figured out how to bind together, and the way that they've bound together was because they have a common enemy, which is the Terran Empire, right? So you yeah. got that going on. And it made me think, I was thinking like, okay, so maybe we could say that we had eight years of, like, progressive politics, 
with Obama, right? And then all of a sudden now we're flipped into this alternate uh, like time zone or this timeline, and now we're in the mirror universe with Trump. <laughs> and, and we're in the mirror universe, and we're like, what the fuck? Can we get back to or can we get forward to, maybe is a better way because we don't want to be too nostalgic about, you know, like the, the past uh, Obama presidency or the, the progressive period, but can we get somehow to the prime universe again? And maybe that this show is kind of saying, guys, I know it feels like we're in the mirror universe now, but fuck, we can try to get back to the prime universe, or we can get to a prime universe. And I think that's kind of what's kind of boring in a way. I really, I like that. That's why I invited you to be on the show. I really like that take. I I didn't know where you were going, <laughs> but I, because, because the, I mean, because they the world... The not mirror universe is such like this Star Trek is so much like that. I like the idea that of what we thought that 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 progressive the Obama era time. It was, you know, it's such a it's a multicultural cast across the board in all these different ways, and it feels like hey, we're like we've got there, we we've dealt with it, and then like you said, here we are, we're yeah. thrown into that all the mirror universe. And how do we get back? I like that. You hear people like complain about this on Twitter quite a bit. They're like, oh, we've chosen the wrong timeline or we're in the wrong timeline, you know, especially when kind of like absurd news, absurd political news comes out. So, yeah, I think there's kind of something to that. Uh, you know, we, we are always counterfactually saying, like, what if this had happened? Like, what if Hillary had won? Or um, is it the case that Trump won because of racial possibilities because of eight years of a black president, things like that. They're always kind of like question. We want to know kind of like why things are the way they are. And I think that this film or this series in a lot of ways is trying to say, rather than why things are the way they are, how about let's just theorize on, on what is the best possible world that we can try to get to and and get away from these other sort of like negative influences. Our, uh, our musical guest, Alex, had an idea. What did you want to say, Alex? Oh, I mean, it was sort of a passing thought. I just, you said something about how do we get back, and, and a lot of things that we brought up tonight, I know this is so nerdy, but bring me back to Lewis Carroll, and I was wondering how Alice got back from her backwards world when she went into the Didn't she the eat the mushroom? Um, that was the first one. A Wonderland she did. Or did she, was that how she got back? I mean, maybe. I mean, she she went and found the hookah, the, the hookah she, smoking caterpillar. She, who was sitting on a mush on a? She kept changing size. I know that was in the first Alice in Wonderland. I can't remember how she got back. Let's the just mirror. think it was with a mycelial. Let's web. assume it was a mushroom. Yeah, I think it was probably a mushroom. <laughs> Even if it wasn't, let's just say it was because that's perfect for yeah. uh, the, this show. <laughs> and it's really funny you don't know this, but I started the show by asking about an alternate timeline because I was up for the role of Wesley Crusher, and I was asked. My question was, if in the alternate universe in which Will I became Wesley Crusher and Will Wheaton became what he would be without Wesley Crusher? Are we both happier? Mm. But I just think it's again, it's a wonderful synchronicity that we have the we're we're mirroring mirror universes. So now, Absolutely. with all of that as context, what's your question for the Pop Oracle? Uh, so if I, you want me to ask my question to the Pop Oracle now? I do. I do. Okay. So. There's one other theme in the show that I think is really interesting, and uh, it actually has to do with uh, Burnham's last speech that she's giving to Starfleet when she's kind of being reintegrated, right? And she says something about, like, 
human nature or our, or our nature, and she's referring to like this egalitarian society. So it's more than just human nature, but it's kind of like kind of like uh, this like trans species nature as rejecting our biological passions. And so fascism is oftentimes viewed as being like something that just lets the instincts and biological, like the bad stuff of biology run free, and that reason is somehow able to stifle that. And I thought there was something really interesting with her humanity kind of battling with her Vulcan upbringing. So what I want to ask the pop oracle is just a very uh, abstract question. What is human nature? What is human nature? Okay, well now we have three songs left on the board, so we are using the Radio 8 cards now. Would you mind bouncing up oh, and yeah. down on an A for me? I'm gonna pick a card, any card, pick a card, any card, pick a, pick a card, any card, pick a card. Song number three, 2% Milk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a good one. Get for fall 
2% milk. Life is 2% milk now. 2% milk. Life is 2% milk now. 2% milk. Life is 2%. milk from Alex Lilly. The answer to Austin's question, what is human nature? So, well, we could take it literally, but before we do, Alex, tell us a little bit about the background of the song. This is a co-write, right? This is, I saw this in your... Yeah. Um, I, uh, there's a poet named Jacqueline Suskin that does um, five-minute poems on the spot, any topic, and uh, gave her the topic of low-fat milk. And um, she wrote a really incredible poem, and it it um, kind of you know added a few things, filled filled it out, wrote the chorus, but the the verses and the verses def- verses are hers, um, and it just it felt like it was such a perfect metaphor for the fact that we have all this richness and we feel the need to I don't know sort of reduce things and and. It just made a lot of sense for me for my record. There's a lot of ambivalence on the record, and I think there's such a dichotomy to milk. It's like this luscious, or to two percent milk. It's this luscious, creamy source, and then we, you know, deplete it. I guess mm-hmm. for some kind of weird purpose. I'm not sure. I guess to lose weight. <laughs> to deplete ourselves. We to deplete, deplete ourselves. It to deplete ourselves. Yeah. Well, uh, Austin, were you able to hear that? Did you have any ideas about how that might answer your question? I mean, first of all, I fucking love that. That is fantastic, Alex. Thank you oh, so much. Thanks. Uh, so, you know, and I and I'm trying not to like impose my own presuppositions into this, but Do I swear it. to God that 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 was like so interesting to me because my sort of interest in asking the question, based on what I saw in the show, could kind of be described as. Uh, along lines of, of kind of the lyrics of that song. And what I mean is is that, like, maybe the idea of human nature is that is that we're always chasing this, this primordial notion of this lost past, right? This is the fall in ancient religious myths, that mm-hmm. there was some time of completeness, mm-hmm. whether it was... When America was great. ...gatherer societies, uh, yeah, America the Great, the city on a hill... Uh, human, like there was a time when we were at one with the universe. There's this, there's this nostalgic primitivism that can often characterize so much of our life, and um, maybe the idea of the whole milk 
and kind of like in in contradistinction to the two percent, maybe the idea is, is that we are essentially straddled between the two perpetually, and that is the human condition. That being embodied as finite beings, but yet encountering the infinite every day, all the time, the the thing that overwhelms us, that makes us. I mean, that's where philosophy begins, is what Aristotle says. It begins with amazement or with wonder or with puzzlement because there's just too much. And so maybe the human experience is essentially being caught between those two. And we crave the whole because we know that it ultimately does satisfy, and that's contentment. But at the same time, we're kind of betwixt between that and this idea of, of always kind of like diminishing ourselves and just seeking fleeting pleasures through consumerism or um, like bland materialism or something like or that. Maybe that's, what, maybe that's what the song is telling us. Yeah. I mean, if, if you I think of milk as this life-giving thing and, you know, that mm. we, we, the baby takes it from the mother, it's, it's, we take cow, mm. we take the cow milk away from the babies, but it's still the same idea. And the idea that this essential, like, because there was, in that sense, there was an essential time. There was a, that, the fall was when we were in the womb and then huddled close to our mom and feeling that connect that total connection of not being isolated mm. and then at some point we become our this is human nature we become our it is natural to grow, grow beyond that and it is like you said it's natural then to yearn for it and what is the metaphor for that yearning is the sustenance that we drew which was milk yeah. Mm. Oh, Alex has an idea. Well, I'm sorry. It's She's not chomping quite, at the bit. It, well, chomping at that apple at Eve. <laughs> try to give Adam. I guess I'm thinking about the biblical idea of the fall. Um, oh, shoot. I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, they became Eve became they became self-aware. Mm-hmm. And we're living in a culture. Oh, this right. is kind of a stretch. We're living in a culture that's extremely self-aware. I think mm-hmm. that that's diminishing mm. our insides a bit. Mm-hmm. We're aware of our outsides now more than ever, mm-hmm. the way that Eve and Adam were after she oh, took a bite of that apple. Yeah, anyway. well. Uh, but it's, no, no. It's, I was, it's a tangent. No, no. I wasn't saying yeah well to what you were saying. I was yeah. saying yeah well to blame an Eve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah, and maybe maybe our self-awareness now, for as much as we try to pat ourselves on the back with scientific discovery and with our technologies and social media engagement— Maybe all of this quote-unquote self-awareness is really a false consciousness and that it's actually leading us down a path that really detracts us from that desire for the wholeness, for the mm-hmm. sustenance that, that maybe is there in the universe or that is there in life or that is there in community, that is there just as Nietzsche would say in life, nature, and history, just in the, in the raw stuff of life, you know? And, and because we're trying so hard to know more, quote unquote. We're trying hard to be certain about things, but that's really kind of taking us away from truth and from real knowledge. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> well, and I was going to say, if we put this back into Star Trek Discovery explicitly, maybe that idea of them trying to get back to the prime universe is impossible. Because remember, they get back to the prime universe, but it's nine months into the future. So it's not actually the prime universe. You can't get back to it. So us trying to be like, you know, eight years, we had uh, a, a progressive president, but mm-hmm. let's be real critical. And as much as it was so important to have Obama as president, I think he also increased drone strikes and increased like militaristic imperialism in, in other nations. He deepened the economic inequalities by funding the bankers and the bailout after the 2008 financial collapse. So there's good, but there's also bad. So maybe we don't want to go back to that because there is no pure whole, but mm-hmm. there's got to be something forward that we can do. And that's why science fiction is so amazing is because it's always pushing a, our vision forward 
rather than backward. Hell yeah. And the future is a woman named Michael Burnham. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> She is the she is the warrior sent to or the peacemaker or the warrior. What is she? Is she the warrior or the peacemaker? What is the torchbearer? The torchbearer. Yes, you're right. Uh, like, well, it's so funny because earlier in the show we just had an, a segment on the show where a woman from Fungi Perfecti, Perfecti, uh, Paul Stamets' uh, organization, was asking if life on Earth was due to mushroom spores from space. And the answer was a song called Firefly. And we were talking about how that, like that sort of Promethean idea of fire as inspiration. So the torchbearer is a perfect extension of that analogy. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Perfect song, I think. Question. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, be, be, before we let you go, Austin, can you tell us where... Now, I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of all your podcasts, of the Show Me the Meaning podcast the I Dig This Movie podcast, and uh, I'm just getting uh, into your philosophy podcast, which is Owls at Dawn? Ow- yeah, Owls at Dawn, yeah. Owls at Dawn. Can you want to tell us any of the any last things people should check out about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, people can hit me up on Twitter, uh, Austin underscore Hayden. I tweet about movies and politics and philosophy and other stuff like that. Uh, I'm producing a documentary film right now called Inventing the Future. I mean, that's the working title. It might change, but it's based on a political manifesto that was a bestseller um, called Inventing the Future, Post-Capitalism and a World Without Work. And uh, we're making that into a film right now. It should be out in the middle of this year. My first book is going to be out uh, in July. It's going to be called Creating Society as a Work of Art, and it'll be out so you can just uh, you know, my name is Austin Hayden. My full name is Austin Hayden Smith, S-M-I-D-T. So just Google me, follow me on Twitter, and uh, you can keep abreast of whatever I got going on. Cool, cool. Well, thank you for for sharing this. I think uh, this is a this is a great addition to our conversation. Yeah. No, this is fantastic. Uh, thank you, Alex. I've, I've I've found a new muse. I will be downloading the EP right now. Yeah. Oh, that's what we like to hear. All that's right. what we like to hear. And I'm going to check out your podcast. Oh, do. You will have a blast. Yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> that's great. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, Austin, and uh, I'll, be, uh, I'll be talking with you soon. Cool. I'll catch you guys later. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Show. It's a good show!